Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. Bonnie, happy post-Thanksgiving. How was your celebration? It was good. I had a super long weekend. I was off last Wednesday and Friday, so it was a five-day weekend. Loved it. Tell me why, though, a five-day weekend goes by so much faster than a five-day work week. Explain that to me. Uh, I believe because we don't have any, like, logical reasons for it such as like when we go to work it's scheduled right we know that we have to work x amount of hours eight nine ten hours depending on your job right and we know that it's going to happen it's a routine you get a five-day weekend and all of a sudden it's like we have nothing so we might sleep a little bit more or less we have more time with our pets friends families stuff that we enjoy and when we enjoy stuff we don't necessarily watch the clock And when we don't watch the clock, time has a tendency to fly. When time has a tendency to fly, days go by very quickly. You know, I think that's exactly it. And the thing is, what I really like to do is I kind of like to stay up late. Not super late, but I like to, like, lay in bed and watch whatever I'm watching until, like, midnight or 1 o'clock. Fair enough. And I can't do that during the week. You can't, but you can during the weekends, which is great. Now, I will say this. I work a very weird schedule. I work 2.30 in the afternoon to 1 a.m., So I'm up late regardless because of of my job. And if COVID wasn't an issue, I'd still be doing that with my part-time job, working at the bar and working even later till 2 a.m. But with that said, I'm like you. I like to stay up kind of late. I'll watch YouTube videos. I'll, you know, catch up on a series or two or I'll watch SportsCenter or something. And then I'll fall asleep by 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, wake up at 9 or 10 or 11, and then, you know, rinse and repeat. But... Uh, I'm glad you had a good Thanksgiving. I didn't have a break. I had to work Thanksgiving Day. I saw most of my family in the morning. We hung out. We watched my Detroit Lions lose again. However, we did fire our head coach and our general manager, so that was the early Christmas present that I was hoping for. So no matter (laughs) else what happens this Christmas, I'm happy because my Detroit Lions will have a new head coach come this time next year. Wow, that was your Christmas wish to Santa? Was for someone to get fired? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you just said that with the straightest face. Well, I'm glad that you, 100%. your wish came true. <laughs> Me too. Me too. It was a, a season or two late, but you know what? Whatever. I don't own the Detroit Lions. <laughs> the Ford family does, and uh, Mrs. Ford finally pulled the trigger and um, removed the head coach and the general manager, and her reasonings were legit. They had two crappy back-to-back showings. They were not living up to the potential. They had a chance to make the playoffs this year, and they faltered. And when your head coach has been dubbed as a defensive guru or a defensive genius, and I'm using air quotes, and yet they continue to give up the most points in the league, you're not going to win a lot of games. And that was kind of his calling card throughout his tenure in Detroit. So, Matt Patricia, goodbye. Jeez, got the axe. But speaking of football, guess who's back? back again oh that's all i'm gonna do on the field in norman oklahoma big game bob boom for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about 
Uh, the impacts of COVID have stretched far and wide. There is no doubt about that. You've seen NFL games push back multiple days. You've seen college football games outright canceled. Well, there is a little tiny outbreak happening in the coaching staff at the University of Oklahoma. Well, that means that they still have to prepare for games and you still need coaches to help coach players. So why not go get your former head coach who won a national championship for you, has taken you to playoff games, has taken you to big bowl games, and is available. That's right. Bob Stoops is now back on the coaching staff at the University of Oklahoma. See, that's also a good Christmas gift right there. Yes, it is. is. Bob Stoops being back. So I'm pretty sure all of OU, all of Norman, all of Oklahoma is very happy. Yeah, and if you follow Oklahoma football on Twitter, um, they'll say, hey, welcome back. And it's great. Now, again, I don't know if he's hired as a full-time coach. I don't know if it's just a one-off thing that he was there for today, tomorrow, trying to get through stuff on, you know, get through the, the game against Baylor this weekend, or if he'll remain on staff for the rest of the season, that is to be determined. But it's great. He's in Norman all the time. His son still plays for the University of Oklahoma. It was actually a big part of the offensive um, threat that they have on the field, one of their wide receivers. But it's great that Bob is back with the Sooners. It's where he belongs. Obviously, Lincoln Riley was the handpicked successor from Bob when Bob retired. So, you know, now maybe it's just a little bit of coaching payback, if you could say that. I'm telling you, there's a lot going on with coaches because Thunder have a new coach as well. So yes, it's they just do. a very big year for coaches. Especially in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll start in Oklahoma and make the beeline straight to Detroit. Um, But speaking of things changing and things ending, Bonnie, today not only is the first day of meteorological winter, but we have now reached the end of the official tropical season. And they say all good things must come to an end. (laughs) This thing did come to an end, thank God, because this thing was drawn out. This thing started way before even we officially got into it in, you know, July but, Bonnie, why it officially might be over, it's really never over until somebody says it's over. <laughs> right? And we don't really know who that somebody is, the designated somebody to say right. that it's over. Right. But I'm pretty sure there's still an area that they're watching right now. There, Not high hopes, but there's still an area. There is. And so it is a gale force, non-tropical, low-pressure system centered between the Azores and some offshore islands that I'm not even going to try and pronounce. The system has become less organized in the last 24 hours, and environmental conditions are expected to become less conducive for development as the system moves southwestward during the next day or two. Although subtropical development now is unlikely, the system will continue to produce strong winds and locally heavy rains around the Azores through Wednesday. Additional information can be found from the high seas forecast issued by Meteorol France. So the French will take uh, any... Uh, control on this unless this thing were to move out farther into the Atlantic. And then again, the National Hurricane Center would pick up on it. But uh, Bonnie, we have now reached the end of tropical season 2020. And I think it's time we take a look back at some stats. Shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, 30 named storms. Jeez. We blew through the normal alphabet and then we got knee deep into the Greek alphabet by the time this thing was over. Of the 30 named storms, 13 hurricanes. Of the 13 hurricanes, six major hurricanes. I think that is spot on, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, that's what 
We'll have to go Six back. Major. We'll have to go back and look at the official, you know, NOAA slash National Hurricane Center forecast to see how many truly, you know, what their real forecast was because obviously they, you know, they do multiple updates of it every year. But uh, impressive numbers, none the least. I'm pretty sure they said four to six major. I like that really sticks out to me, but I could right. be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they said four to six major hurricanes. Right. And if you look at the storms and again, it, it, this whole season was an anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. Most, most storms ever, most hurricanes ever. Um, we'll get to Louisiana in a minute, but we'll talk about the five that, you know, had landfall in Louisiana. A lot of these hurricanes and major hurricanes did what we call in the weather world training, right? Where it was just this, it it's not the same thing, quote unquote, for hurricanes versus say a thunderstorm cell or multiple thunderstorm cells that are actually training and going over the same area repeatedly. But you get the same aspect on the tropical side where you had the two major hurricanes strike, you know, Central America. You had Louisiana under the gun with five tropical systems, one major hurricane. Two mate or two hurricanes, one major in addition, so three total hurricanes and two tropical systems, so five total into the state of Louisiana. Easily, one of those storms could have been a major hurricane. It, however, weakened just before landfall. I want to say that was probably Laura. Yeah. But with that said, okay, you're looking at five storms going into one place. You're looking at two major hurricanes going into one place. Um, again, it's a roll of the dice. It's a crapshoot. There's no real true training when it comes to hurricanes, but when the same area is getting hit multiple times and areas of landfall are spaced out 13 miles, 10 miles, um, that's not good. Well, and especially when it's major storms back to back, because you, there's not a lot of time to recover from the first one. Right. So it's like just, you know, another layer of salt in the wound, you know, with, another storm coming on shore it's kind of a wonder louisiana is still even there right and it, it and obviously they've done really well to rebuild and i know there are still tons of challenges and lots of people are still dealing with the effects of these five tropical systems but for all intents and purposes they're doing a really good job i think for me just you know i have my own picture in my head but knowing that part of louisiana is below sea level and then getting hit with five storms you know one major hurricane i'm just like how 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 if it is below sea level it's already at a disadvantage right um for me the image that will you know forever associate louisiana especially with this tropical season obviously is what happened to the radar um in baton rouge you know there's no no if ands buts about it the thing was destroyed yes it was is it even back up? I no, don't. I no, haven't it's seen it's anything. it's not it's not back up. I don't even think they have any plans to make it operational anytime soon. Um, the manufacturer that makes the WSR eighty eight Ds, I believe, no longer exists. So awesome. I think Radar Ops in Norman, Oklahoma, the guys at the radar facility uh, maintenance side of it that handles all of the major repairs outside the local technicians which are based in, you know, Norman, um, will have spare parts, hopefully, and they can rebuild that. And if not, they can uh, implement other types of radars that are not the full big white ball or green ball, depending on where your radar is. Um, my ball in Portland is green, so it blends in with the trees. So, you know. And, oh, that sounds lovely. Yes, it's environmentally conscious or whoever, you know, I don't know. So the people that build the fake cell towers or the build the, the cell towers that look like fake trees, that's my other favorite one. 
hey, you know, it's so it's trying to keep the ambiance, you know, and sure. all of that. I mean, you know, A for effort. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. But, uh, yeah, so the big white ball is gone in Lake Charles. All right. Did I say Baton Rouge? It's Lake Charles. My bad. Uh, Lake yeah. Charles radar is the one that was destroyed. So that is the image for me that will stick out about 2020. But we talked about five storms in Louisiana. Bonnie, there were a total of 12 storms that made impact into the U.S., which, again, is a record-setting number. 12. That is crazy. And I feel like they were all in the same place, which was like Louisiana, Alabama, Florida Panhandle, pretty much. Yep. Um, if you can, go, you can actually go to the National Hurricane page on Twitter, twitter.com slash NHC Atlantic. They have uh, a preliminary report up of 2020. You can click on the link and look at it. It is fantastic to go through and look through, to go through and look at, not go through and look through. Um, yep, storms into the Gulf. Obviously, the Gulf was the big story. We had multiple storms into Texas, the five into Louisiana. We had storms into Florida and Mississippi and Alabama. And, you know, I think the big winner, though, was one of the early storms uh, that went all the way through Missouri, <laughs> Iowa, Wisconsin, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, into parts of Canada, and finally died out. You ready? In Hudson's Bay. Whoa. Yeah. That is up there. Yeah. That's like, you know, hey, a hop, skip, and a jump away from, like, the North Pole. Literally. Like, not too far. Santa could see that storm. Right. <laughs> Santa Claus was not the only thing coming to the North Pole apparently this year. What what storm was that? Uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now. I'm trying to look on the map. And I want to say it was the third storm of the year, which would have been Cristobal. Which wasn't that the one that was like Amanda first or something? Yes. Wow. In the Pacific. Wow. Yep. That is like a globe trotter, world traveler. Mm-hmm. One of the longest tracks for sure. Absolutely one of the longest tracks for sure. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hudson's Bay from the Pacific way up to Hudson's Bay. That's a lot. Nuts. That is nuts. It is incredibly insane. Um matter of fact, I am <laughs> Somebody said in Florida, and I ain't got nothing yet. So we had one one storm directly into the southern Florida that went into the Gulf and then made landfall. Then we had a couple others that made uh, landfall up on the Panhandle, but nothing really big to there. Um, Houston, same thing, didn't get a thing. People are complaining that they didn't see any storms. <laughs> wow. Which is just hilarious to me. Wow. Especially after having Harvey, like you would think. Right. But I think that that's crazy, though, that the storms really are confined from, like, Florida Panhandle to Louisiana. Like, really outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot of direct hits. Nope. Totally. 100%. 100%. Man. What a season. And so the previous record-setting season was 2005, the year of Katrina. Correct. With 28 storms? Yes. Boom. We should go to weather trivia night. Dude, we would rock that. We would crush it. We would absolutely crush it. Uh, you know what we would do? We would blow it away. Yes, we would. Yes, like a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
Hey, as we say, I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma, so I say tornado. Yes, you do. It's like the people down south called it hurricanes, and I'm like, excuse me, what is that? <laughs> a hurricane. Yes. Oh. You guys missing an E right there? Right? That's a long A sound, but all right, we'll go with hurricane. Yeah. Hurricanes, hurricanes, tornadoes, tomatoes, I don't know. You say tomato, <laughs> I say tomato. Yeah. But it's not a cyclone. Yeah, oh gosh, right? We won't even. We won't eat that. That's a show. That's a show for a different day. <laughs> right? Seriously, like let's talk to Baby Bash about cyclones, okay? Well, let's. He clearly doesn't get it. Let's talk to everybody that's made bad weather judgments. What was the What was the bad storm chasing movie that they wanted to make? Like Twister. I know Twister Two is coming out, or the remake of Twister. I am mildly optimistic about that one, but what was it called? Like Into the Storm. Um, the really bad storm chasing one. Uh, it bombed at the box office. I still went and saw, but it was terrible. Anyways, it's really hard to make good, believable weather movies. You know, like Day After Tomorrow was just—it was okay. It was cool, but I don't know. It's just—I don't know. I'm not breaking into any restaurants to start a you know stove to stay warm. Right, or like busted onto a ship that's got wolves on it. Now I'll tell you what is realistic. Realistic AF, Sharknado. Oh yeah, hands down, hands down. Like that could happen. Sure it could. We've seen tornadoes pick up fish and toss them many, many miles. Exactly. It's called a water spout. Boom. Pick up a shark. Done. done. Yeah. Poor shark. <laughs> Poor baby shark. No, oh, don't do, even. Do, do, oh do, yeah. Do, do, you do. know what? I was gonna go right there, and I'm glad that you jumped it before I did. <laughs> We've been like on the same page with our yes, with have. our wit tonight. <laughs> we have we have too much free time. Um, <laughs> see what happens. We really see, do. see what happens when we tape late at night versus early in the morning. <laughs> right, because this is Tuesday. Yes, all the gears are fully turning. <laughs> sort of. Right. I think they're turning like the opposite direction. Uh, but speaking of sharknadoes and other wild sea creatures, the two videos I do want to talk about: the alligators, the one, the guy that hops in the swamp to rescue his dog. Oh my gosh! Shout to shout to old man, you know River for doing that. I don't remember the guy's name, but if you've not seen the video yet, just go on Twitter or Facebook, type in "man rescues dog from alligator." Oh my god, he like wrestles that alligator, almost said shark, and then like pries its mouth open. Like, right? oh my god, he was gonna do the elbow drop. I saw it. He was about to just <laughs> boom. He was gonna run off, <laughs> run off the you know the dock, and you know just drop it. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then the other one is, I don't know if you've seen it today, there is a like 14 foot long alligator. It's in a swamp. Some guys are out duck hunting in Florida. And this alligator is coming up and he is eating the ducks that they have shot. And obviously the ducks have, you know, they're dead and they fall back down to the water and then you go retrieve them. However, this alligator's like, y'all going to give me free lunch. Uh, I'm just going to sit here and take it. So there's video of this 13 foot long alligator and this thing is massive chomping on these dead ducks and finding the hunters like, all right, we fed you enough. Now get out of here. That is amazing. I'm telling you, that's a smart alligator. The amount of times I've almost said shark when I'm about to say alligator <laughs> is unreal. I have no idea. But anyways, what a smart alligator. Like, right. hey, I don't have to do my own hunting. I'll just wait here. Like, he knows what to do. Right. And there's even actually a third alligator video this week, and this just popped up back on my feed. Uh, another long Big alligator, they said probably 13 or 14 feet long. You know, they're saying like, oh, this guy's probably been around since prehistoric days. I'm not going to quite, you know, believe that. But uh, he's just wandering through one yard in Florida. 
Just doing his is thing. Is that the one where you could see, like, he was in the water and you could just see his head and his tail? No, this was one that was actually out on land walking. Wow. People, you know what? They look weird when they walk, and they've got big old tummies. They do. They do. That's how Full they float. Ducks. Yep, that's how they float. Oh. Surface area. Wow. Good Good to know. Yes. And that means I'll float. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> good to know. Anyways, yes. Next time you're out on Lake Thunderbird, look for Bonnie. She'll be the alligator-looking creature floating in the middle. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'll be the one with scales. Stop. Stop. <laughs> uh, but, you know, listen, it is... Sharknado is, in theory, somewhat plausible. Highly unlikely, but somewhat plausible. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure that a shark has gotten, like, swept up in a little bit of a water spout. But, I mean, you know, obviously, they're not that strong. Right. A water right. spout. So it probably just, you know, nothing really happened. It just kind of got dizzy. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's, I guess that's kind of what we have to look at. We'll we'll wait and see. But, um, yeah, if anybody has video of a tornado picking up a shark, please let us know. Hit us up on our Twitter page at Weather Podcast. Yes. And if it's a great white, then you get bonus points. Yes, exactly. And you can sell that footage for $75 a clip. Probably more. Contact us at Weather Podcast. Find out how that happens. <laughs> we'll be your middleman. Yes, we will. We'll only take 2%. <laughs> 200%. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, no, just sell it to yeah. us, and we'll pay you for the video, and then we'll turn around and sell it. That's how that yeah. works. Uh, <laughs> I like it. We'll flip it. <laughs> so, yeah, so that kind of puts a bow on the hurricane season. Any outgoing thoughts, Bonnie, on 2020 tropics? Well, <clears throat> I am shocked. And, I mean, I would be shocked no matter what year it was. It's just crazy that it just happened on this year where everything else was happening. You right. know what I mean? It's just this year's kind of cursed. But I will say – there's still 30 days left of the year. That is true. That is true. And, and we, we can't do, count it out. And that is true. While the official official tropic season is over today, um, we still have storms that can form and storms that have formed in the past after December 1st. So we won't necessarily be watching it as close as we normally would, say, middle of you know October or September, October, November, that area in the peak. But we'll keep an eye on it just casual glancing i guess well and if another one does pop up i can honestly say i'm not gonna be surprised right it would be uh, i believe kappa would be the next storm Jeez, i kind of hope that happens I mean, kappa's I, a good letter right i want a sorority storm why not yeah like Perfect. oh my god legally blonde <laughs> oh my god it's a storm in the atlantic and it's kappa <laughs> i wonder if it runs to rush. it's gonna be rush week exactly right <laughs> You must go and buy all the sisters lattes, and they must be pumpkin spice, and you must buy them Uggs. Hey, you know what? I've still never had a pumpkin spice latte or anything else. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, Bonnie, you don't need to claim your basic card just yet. Good. I'm trying to, like, <laughs> break that. That is good. That is good. Well, while we transition from one uh, one season to the next uh, December 1st also, as we said, marks the start of meteorological winter. Now, you've already seen one winter storm come through Oklahoma City. And I want to say it was the what big ice storm of 2020, whatever you guys have officially called it now. Um, Bonnie, you got another one knocking on your doorsteps, and it's going to be here in the next 24 to 48 hours. I'm pumped. I mean, I'm a little bummed because it's not going to hit my area as hard as it is northwest Oklahoma. But I mean, six to ten inches is what they're expecting in northwest Oklahoma. 
of snow, not ice, snow this time. And I think there's already a winter storm warning out for that. So I'm, I'm excited. And you know, the stuff can fluctuate. Maybe we will get a little more than a trace to an inch around here around these parts. I certainly hope so. Right. Uh, so there's a winter storm watch up for the northern part of the central part of Oklahoma, northern part of central Oklahoma, because that makes total sense. <laughs> like I mean, it kind of does. Yeah, like you're in south central Oklahoma, which is not south central California, but you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. The snow potential, like you said, uh, I watched the briefing from the National Weather Service Oklahoma uh Norman office. Gosh, I'm out of it right now. Uh, <laughs> they did the Facebook and the YouTube briefing today from the Norman office near Oklahoma City in Oklahoma. And they were saying, all right, you know, we could be looking at, you know, maybe six to eight inches up around Woodward and then maybe, you know, two to three inches to the north of Clinton and Eden could say three to four, maybe one to two in the Oklahoma City metro area. Some of the outline areas a little bit less. Well, <laughs> This is why I love weather forecasters, right? Because we look at all possibilities. And so we build our forecasts off of the best consensus, which is the average of all the forecasts. Now, what do we do as weather nerds, Bonnie, when we look at a consensus forecast? We like to look at the one that has the most snow. Exactly. And that's exactly what the National Weather Service Norman did. And they're like, listen, we could see maybe 8 to 12 here. And then maybe Oklahoma City could see maybe 1 to 2, maybe 2 to 4, if everything were to line up correctly. Now, models don't look like that. But if everything were to be perfect, this is what would happen. Maybe everything will be perfect. It is 2020. The perfect storms have happened over and over again. Right. And I will say this. When you look at what's happening Temperature wise, I mean, Bonnie, you guys are going to get down around, you know, freezing the next couple nights going forward. Your temperatures will rebound, you know, into the mid 40s and then maybe lower 50s as we get out of, you know, Wednesday and Thursday. But, you know, everybody's like, okay, well, why is this not an ice setup? Why is this all snow setup? Well, National Weather Service, again, Norman did a really good job in their briefing. The low is going to track to the south of Oklahoma City. That means, according to the triple point, you guys stay out of any warm air at any level of the atmosphere. We've talked about on this show that if you want to get snow, you need a cold column from the surface all the way up. Exactly. No and, warm layer in the middle. Right. No warm tongue, as we say. <laughs> and it doesn't look like we're going to have that here. So that's why they're saying this is going to be mostly a snow event. You could get a little freezing rain, a little sleet. But it's highly unlikely the column of air is cold enough to support snow top to bottom. So, Exactly. Well, and if we get that, that will be like the transitioning time right. from rain to snow. Right. And so it, will, it won't be enough to cause really anything. No. And again, unless this low were to take a different track. And the way that you know it was forecasted that they went over on the video was went through the Panhill of Texas, just the south of Oklahoma City, and then just the south of Tulsa as it ejected out to the northeast. If that were to shift, say, maybe 20 miles to the south or even further to the south on the way out, you guys could see more snow easily. I'm telling you, this is what it comes down to every time we have a winter right. event of any kind is it comes down to miles. And it's like if it shifts just a little bit this way or a little bit that way or if the freezing line moves just a little bit this way or just a little bit that way, I mean, it is like nail-biting, edge-of-your-seat kind of stuff because it's really crazy how winter weather comes down to just slight 
tiny fluctuations and things like that. Yep. The amount of snow or big snow events versus small snow events that have happened because of the difference of a degree or two or even yes. three um, is quite significant. Yes. And, and that's, it's crazy. And that is literally, I mean, that is why that ice storm was so perfect is because the temperature was the right temperature to get ice. Yep. And it's, it's, it's just crazy. And that's why winter weather is really, really hard to predict because I mean, if things change even by a hair, it changes the whole situation. Yeah. The whole dynamic does change. It's, it's a crapshoot. Is where we talk about wishing we had more available data to get that 3D profile of the atmosphere. And I'm sure with an incoming system like this, you know, the fine folks at the National Weather Service will maybe do a few more balloon launches just to get a better idea of what the atmosphere looks like. But, Bonnie, we really... Well, especially to make sure there's no chance for ice. You know, Absolutely. They, they want to know it's cold from top to bottom and yep. there's no warm in the middle. Yep. And, I, and, again, the soundings that will come out of Norman will show that relatively quickly. You guys will get yep. that information, you know, pretty quick and you'll be able to tailor that and that information then turn around and put into the forecast models and help get a better sense of what will happen. But I really do hope that you guys get to see some snow. I hope that it's more than an inch. I hope that you get to enjoy it. I know Clyde loves it. Your dog, the third member of the B squared podcast often heard from never seen. Um, and I know that he is looking forward to snow and I know you're looking forward to snow as well. Yes. I, I love the snow. He loves the snow. I have many pictures of him out in the snow covered in snow in his beard. So if we get, enough on the ground and he gets to run in it then i'll post some more pictures perfect well i'm i am jealous i am going to be watching the forecast relatively closely because i want to see how this sets up because like we said it is a difference of maybe a degree or two or a mile or two and yep. it's the difference between just some really really cold rain and wasted cold versus you know a decent amount of snow and I consider a decent amount of snow anything over an inch. That's just me because I live in a climate where, you know, a snowflake will shut the city down and an inch will do severe things to traffic. So. Hey, that, trust me, that is us here too. Like, I mean, one flake in the, in the air and we're like, Oh my God, shut it down. And I like that. But now I work from home. <laughs> so you're like the poorest kids that are like, well, we don't get snow days anymore. Well, Technically, in theory, you might get a day off or two because you got to remember, it's more than just teachers and kids on computers. It's admin staff. It's, you know, delivery drivers. It's a bunch of things that would close down district. And if the district closes, well, then you get a snow day still. So true. But, but, but you, you know what, I, I kind of like not having to worry about having to drive out in anything. Sure. That's one of the perks of working from home. Sure. One of my one of my good radio friends does morning radio in Cleveland. And this morning, her boyfriend got up and snowblowed the driveway so she could get to work. So, you know. Just snowblowed it. Yep. Lily got out there with snowblower, cleared out the driveway, and away she went. Hey, that's good to have a snowblower. Because I did not realize, and I've like read lots of stories and articles, but shoveling snow has like killed people. Oh, it's terrible for you. The heavy, wet snow and the repetitive motion can cause a lot of stress. Uh, you get a lot of heart attacks with that. Yes, and that is just crazy. And so they just say, "Hey, just shovel for a little bit, and then stop, and just shovel little yep. scoops." Yep. Don't don't be hero and do like you know try and do, you know three feet, three and a half feet worth of heavy snow and try and lift it and flick it because one, it will <laughs> it will hurt you badly. Uh, I know I've tried to do it. It's not fun. For the heavy wet snow, just get a snowblower or just honestly just wait a while. Yeah. Just wait a while. 
I understand, you know, you want to get out there. Some cities and states are different. Some require you to have to have clear sidewalks. Because if somebody were to fall on a sidewalk in front of your house, you're liable for the injuries. But still, it's just, you know, for me, it's just not worth it. Yeah, exactly. So then are, you, are the, is the city liable if you have a heart attack because they forced you to shovel the snow? Uh, that's a great question. I would have to call a litigator in a city that has had that happen because I'm sure it has. And I'd have to ask them a question. But it, that is a very reasonable question and it makes a lot of sense. Well, that's your homework. You have to call and f- find out. <laughs> yeah, I'll just call a couple lawyers. Hey, question for you. <laughs> I don't so, think it's that big a deal. It's fine. Right? So if I die from shoveling <laughs> snow because the city tells me I have to, do I get to hold them responsible? Or does my family get to hold them responsible? Right. Asking for a friend. Right. Yeah. Asking for a friend. No, I didn't die. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm calling you. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling you from heaven. Can you just cut the check that way? Um. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. So besides that, what do you guys have coming up weather-wise besides your quick snow event? That's pretty much it, and then we're going to, you know, warm it back up into the 40s and then 50s, and I think some low 60s coming up over the weekend, beginning of next week. No other precip chances right now, but, I mean, that there wasn't this last week either, so, I mean, that could always change. That's good. Um, out here in Portland, interesting setup we have going forward today, tonight, and the next couple of days. We've talked a lot about an east wind event coming through the gorge. We talked about it, you know. Uh, with the historic fires we had, an unprecedented late season east wind uh, for the summer. We get them a lot during the winter, and this looks like to be our first real winter one. Today was hilarious. Nine o'clock, my phone chimes. Dense fog advisory re-upped for the northern Willamette Valley where I live through noon. And then they're like, it'll clear out. Then tonight, starting at 10 o'clock, we get into a wind advisory. Sustained winds 20 to 30 miles an hour, gusting 45 out of the east, delivering very cold and very dry air. Unfortunately, we have no precip that's going to interact with it, so we just get cold. But we also have an air stagnation advisory because it's just, you know, we have an inversion, basically, and so the air doesn't get mixed. Now you think, well, wait, you just said you have 20 to 30 mile an hour winds. Yes, that's the case. It will blow for a couple days, but then it stops, and all that, you know, air still hasn't really budged anywhere. The inversion still exists, and so we'll be back into the elevated areas of pollution and non necessarily clean air but clean enough that they don't issue other things like you know hazardous air condition qualities but uh it was cool to watch the fog layer burn off today and you know from about 10 to 11 30 you could quickly just see you could tell there's a little bit of wind moving uh up at the higher levels of the atmosphere and that fog bank cleared out real quick and had a beautiful nice sunny day and now i'm just waiting for the wind to kick in here in the next couple hours and it's uh going to be fun to watch. You know, I really love fog. Fog is great. It really is. It's one of those fun, it's one of those fun weather phenomenons that I don't think gets enough attention or enough love. I agree. It's kind of left out, but it's a very interesting phenomenon. It's literally a cloud on the ground. Right. And people just don't seem to appreciate it. Well, I hope fog knows that we appreciate it. Right. And, you know, the thing that you have to remember about fog is fog moves, right? We know that there is a lot of available moisture in the fog cloud. That's why there's a lot of time if you're in a fog cloud, it's misting. Or you do actually get, like, condensation on you or your windows or, you know, your pet when you're out for a walk. People don't realize that this thing is actually, like, moving, 
it moves, it ebbs and flows with a little bit of wind or a little bit of temperature change where this giant cloud literally moves as one. Mm-hmm. Yes, like it, a wave. Yeah, like, yeah, it just settles down. Yes, I get that. But it's air. Air has to move. It's like liquid. It's contained in an area until something moves it. And so, you know, last, gosh, speaking of Thanksgiving, Friday, uh, the Oregon-Oregon State game on national TV on ESPN. They're talking about how bad the fog was the first half in the third quarter, where from the high elevated camera positions in the press box, you really couldn't see the game. So you had to go down low to the field level cameras to actually be able to see kind of how the game was went. And I was explaining to my mom as she was watching with me that this thing is basically a cloud. It just kind of comes and goes. And, you know, it will lift a little bit. You know, all it takes a little, you know, one or two mile an hour breeze, which might seem like nothing, but it's enough to push something. And it's going to push this fog cloud up or down or around. And eventually it lifted up and you were able to see the, you know, the field again. But it's fantastic to watch. And we get a lot out here in the Willamette Valley, especially moist ground, dry air over top with inversions. Uh, yeah, fog doesn't get enough due credit. No, it doesn't. And I I like it. And I really like when you can see see it happening. Like if right. you are up on a river bank, but down in the river, there's right. just fog right there. You know what I mean? It's it's just interesting. I love it. There are parts of places here in uh, around Portland where you can go up into the hills and look down over the city and see like literally one or two buildings pop out of the fog and that's it. Sometimes we get really good fog around here and you can just see the tippy tippy top of like the Devon Tower, which is our big tower downtown. Love it. And it's got a restaurant in the very, very, very Ooh. top. It's really cool. And you can see, Va- uh, not Vance, Tinker Air Force Base from it. Wow. And Tinker's not, yeah, Tinker's a, a what, like 40 miles away? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. The restaurant's called Vast. It's one of those really fancy ones that has like a dress code and all of that. I've been once. It's pretty <laughs> just, awesome. Just once. <laughs> yeah, it was like a special occasion birthday thing. It was really nice, but yeah, it's just one of those like super fancy places. You and Courtney should go for happy hour one day. <laughs> yeah, we'll just roll in there with our furry boots and our leggings and our messy bun. Do it. Why not? Because <laughs> they have a dress code. Legit have a dress code. So dress up. Oh, that requires work. I know it's so tough, (laughs) so tough. (laughs) But I will say it's so high up that your ears are popping on your way up there. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the that's one of the cool things. You know, the pressure change is awesome, and people don't get that. Again, you're only going up. You know, maybe a couple hundred feet. Guess what? That is a pressure difference. Yep. Less air particles. Yep. As you go up higher. Yep. Atmosphere has a tendency to cool off, and then it gets really hot, and then really cold again. Yeah, yeah. Layers of the atmosphere. What's the top one? Thermosphere? Yes. Boom. Yeah. All right, since you asked, quiz time. Name them. Ooh, I don't know if I can name them in order. Hemisphere? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I cracked myself up. Right. Um, troposphere. Okay. Mesosphere. Nope. Not in order. No, not in order. Okay. Not yeah. I don't have to go in order. That's fine. 
thermosphere, and I can't think of the other one. I don't know. Okay, so you've named four. You've named three of the five. Troposphere is is the closest to us. Yes. The stratosphere. That's where the weather right? Oh, the stratosphere. The stratosphere is next. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Then the mesosphere. Mm-hmm. Thermosphere. Mm-hmm. And then the exosphere. Oh, yeah, the exosphere. So to get a idea of where these things are, Mount Everest, <laughs> the clouds, and airplanes are in the troposphere, barely not even getting close to the stratosphere. Radio sounds, like weather balloons, that is into the stratosphere. Meteors exist in the mesosphere. Spacecraft and the Aurora Borealis um, for the Northern Lights are in the thermosphere. And then satellites exist in the exosphere. So that kind of gives you the 3D dimension of the atmospheres of the Earth. The exosphere is kind of that like glowy halo situation right that that is what it looks like it is anyways right and that's real hot too like temperatures high as 2000 degrees celsius whoa and even the thermosphere is you know 1500 degrees celsius but that's in sunlight because i believe once you get out of the sunlight it gets cold real quick right i would think so pretty sure mesosphere temperatures range from Freezing, which again, this is quite hilarious. So again, remember, I said it goes warm, cold, warm, cold, um, and then really hot. So troposphere, obviously, surface of the Earth up to, you know, ten thousand feet. Temperatures vary, you know. Then once you get up into airplane level, thirty thousand feet, forty thousand feet, temperatures minus sixty degrees Celsius, very cold. Stratosphere, you start to warm up a little bit, but the level between the stratosphere and the mesosphere, the temperature rebalances and it's right around freezing. Mesosphere is from freezing to 85 degrees below Celsius, so negative 85 Celsius. And then you get to the thermosphere, and then it ramps up temperature-wise real quick. That is crazy. Yep. So there you go. There's your science lesson for the day. Levels of the atmosphere. How awesome is that? So imagine that in itself is complicated and weird. So then imagine trying to, like, predict things happening. Right. Right. Totally. I always say this kind of stuff because people like to, you know, give crap to meteorologists. So I'm just trying to like, you know. Right. I'm going to I'm going to re- I'm going to retweet a video right now on our page at Weather Podcast from Matt Zafino, who is the chief meteorologist of the NBC affiliate out here in Portland. Um, because we live in this great terrain where it's hilly up and down, left and right all over the place, you get to see all this really cool stuff with cameras that are above the fog line. And, you know, it's just, it's really pretty. It's great to see weather in motion. I need to click on that and actually retweet it properly. All right, here we go. Another great video. The fog and low clouds. Streaming westward. But this is why I love living in the Pacific Northwest, because you have the chance to get up in elevation and see cool stuff happening. So it's great. It's absolutely great. We're just flat around here. Mm-hmm. But that's why you can see the Air Force Base from downtown Oklahoma City. Right, which is pretty, which is pretty legit. I'm not going to lie. Not when lie. I first saw it, I was like, that is not Tinker Air Force Base. My mom was like, yeah, it totally is. And I was like, dang. It's pretty awesome. 
pretty awesome. Pretty legit. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Elevation is great, but there it are really th- is. there are benefits to being flat too. Oh yeah. I will. I will trade the elevation for severe thunderstorms any day. Exactly, and that's why we have severe storms because we don't have all this elevation. Right, because y'all are flat, but you guys are up in elevation. That's the thing that people don't realize. Like I know that we talked about this before, but I'm going to pull it up now. I always noticed my ears popping when I go from Oklahoma City to Enid. No, just kidding. Oh, good lord. <laughs> um, let me look. Where was it here? Where's my Where's my regional weather? Click on it. Click on it. Yeah. Click on it. So the elevation of uh, Will Rogers International or Will Rogers World Airport, which is a great name, World Airport. It's kind of hard to say. Will Rogers World Airport. Yeah. Just call it Will Rogers International because you ain't leaving the world yet from Will Rogers. Anyways, your <laughs> elevation at Will Rogers is 1,293 feet. So you guys are actually up in elevation, which is pretty cool. Enid, Oklahoma. Currently sits at 1,306 feet. So, yes, Bonnie, your ears could pop going from. <laughs> but it's very possible. See? See, we'll I see knew here. it. Yeah, we'll see. What is uh, Watonga? What is the elevation of Watonga? Great name, by the way. 1,549 feet. Wow. So then we'll jump over here and we'll go look at the closest airport that I have. And you'll love this. By the way, we do need to bring up the fact that we did map out. I was just going to say that. Yeah. How far <laughs> that it is it was from... like a perfect, even right. amount of miles. So the closest, the closest uh, airport that I have to me is uh, what's known as Portland Hillsborough Airport or Hillsborough Airport. K-H-I-O is the uh, identifier. Our elevation, 194 feet. So, Bonnie, you are 1,200 feet above me. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. And the again, earth is weird. It is weird. But again, this is why I also believe that you guys get more storms because you guys are closer to the base of the clouds. Yeah. That so. actually really makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. So using radar scope, uh, I mapped it out because I know what Bonnie's address is and I have an identifier on radar scope as our house. It is exactly 1,460 miles door to door. That is bananas. Right. And we, That's good, though. Now you know if my house ever gets hit by a tornado or something. Like You will know because oh yeah. you have it on Absolutely. radar scope. Absolutely. So if we were to draw a direct line from me to you, we'd cross through, obviously, the states of Oregon, Idaho, Utah. Maybe clip the corner of Wyoming still needs to be decided for sure. I need to zoom in on that. Colorado, portions of Kansas, Oklahoma, the Panhandle of Texas, back into Oklahoma. So one, two, three, four, five, six. So I'm one, two, three, technically four states away. Six if you want to count direct lines, but yeah. I just want to say that if Oklahoma didn't have a panhandle, we would look like Arkansas, but oh, like a little fatter. Oh, you totally would. Totally We would. need the panhandle. It would look ridiculous without it. It'd be very strange. Same with like Texas. Like if we just cut off their panhandle and it was part of Oklahoma, then we would just look like Kansas and they would just look like a cow's udder. (laughs) (laughs) 
all of our Texas friends are triggered right now. How dare she? How dare she? Um, Truth hurts, doesn't it, Texas? It does. But yeah, I mean, if you take off the Oklahoma panhandle, you guys kind of look like a giant version of Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Legitimately. kind of fancy. Yeah. It'd be Oklahoma, Connecticut. Can Oklahoma. Yeah, there you go. That works too. That definitely works too. Man. Geography's great. It is. It is. The tiger safari that David shows is not the one that we're thinking about. <laughs> which means there's two in Oklahoma. Which, is which fan- means what? <laughs> which is fantastic. Oh. Great Tw- state of Oklahoma. T- 2020, the year they gave us Tiger King. Oh. <laughs> and all of Oklahoma was like, why? We thought we had this guy gone. Seriously. But it made for uh, it made for some great viewing, I will say that. Well, good. I'm glad that we kept the Netflix universe entertained. That's all we wanted. Right. I'm looking forward to our end of year special where we will recount our favorite memories of 2020. And best believe Tiger King will be in there. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Carol Baskin. Which hell is Joe Exotic in jail and Carol Baskin isn't? I don't uh, get that. Good lawyers? I don't know. I guess. I don't she know. was on Dancing with the Stars. She lost. Yeah. <laughs> I think she only knows how to dance with tigers, and that was her problem. Yeah, that's very that's very possible. Very possible. Well, Bonnie, another great edition of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.